Genesis 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered water, waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make 
man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the beginning of our story. In the beginning, God. Before any activity, before creation, before anything else, in the beginning, God. Before all things, before even time began, in the beginning, God. Beyond the boundaries of space and time, beyond the realm of human observation, beyond the scope of the most sophisticated instruments that we have, in the beginning, God. The Belgic Confession one of the three forms of unity in the Reformed Christian tradition begins with what we believe about God. And it begins like this. We all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we call God. Eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, and good, and the overflowing source of all good. All-powerful, all-wise, 
all just, all good, God is. And the problem that this raises, of course, which the Belgic Confession goes on to address, is that this God then is completely beyond anything that we can know or perceive. When we look at our lives, when we look at the world around us, we do not see the attributes of this God reflected in this creation. The world that we know is not simple. It is complex. It is not single. It is multivarious. It is not spiritual, but physical. Not eternal, but temporal. Not invisible, but visible. Not unchangeable, but constantly changing. We look at creation and we would think God is no minimalist, to be sure. And often the world that we know is not wise and just and overflowing with good, but marked by sin, injustice, and sorrow. So how can we know this God? How can we love this God? How can this God who is so far beyond us, so different from us, be personal, be loving? In the beginning, But what flows from this simple statement of faith is a story, the story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And to us, perhaps, it might seem like a trick because the world that we know is not like the God that we confess. The God who extends himself in love in Jesus Christ is not always easy to see in a creation stained by sin and cursed by death. Why would a single, simple, spiritual being create such a complex and pain-filled creation? In the early church, this became a profound theological issue. And... One man, one theologian named Marcion, thought that he could solve it. He began to teach that the God of the Old Testament was a lesser deity, a false god, a trickster god, who, obeyed, who disobeyed the one true simple spiritual being, the true God, to create a lesser physical world that was a satire of the spiritual world, a mockery of the spiritual realm. And in this physical world, this creator deity made physical bodies to trap the spiritual souls of human persons who Marcion believed were spiritual servants of the one true spiritual God. The God of the Old Testament, Marcion taught, tricked human beings, trapped them in physical bodies, and then led them into all kinds of violence, murder, and war. And our true goal, the whole point of our lives, Marcion said, is to escape this physical realm by living a spiritual life of devotion to the true God of the New Testament, the God of Jesus, 
who lived a perfectly spiritual life and pointed the way to the true spiritual God and away from the false God of the Old Testament, away from the false God of wrath and toward the true God of love. There is some temptation in this teaching today for us still. Because for many people, this world is not a place of joy. This world is not conducive to spiritual living. There is pain and suffering. There is the inevitable threat of death, which can come at any time. And the pleasures of life are at best distractions that delight and stimulate our physical senses. We don't always see how creation points to God, especially not to the one true God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the church rejected Marcion's teachings and tried to find a better way to explain what Scripture reveals to us. The early Christians taught that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are one and the same. That the Old Testament God of Israel is the one true God who was before all things and endures beyond all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters and God said, let there be light. And here, the early church tells us we already have an articulation of the doctrine of the Trinity. God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God collaborate together to create the cosmos out of nothing. All of the diversity and complexity of our world flows out of the relationship of love that exists before all things between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the triune God. This is the beginning of our story. This is the story in which we find our being and into which we are invited to participate, the story of the Trinity. And this is why on the Sunday after Pentecost today, the Christian church has historically set aside time to reflect on the Trinity, on this divine mystery at the heart of the Christian faith, that the one true God is three persons who exist eternally in a relationship of love. This is what the Christian faith has taught from its very beginning. But throughout history, we have had to find different ways to articulate it, different ways to teach this mystery because of misunderstandings that arise in the church. From the beginning of the preaching of the gospel, we can see that the apostles worship the one true God. They believe and confess that God himself walked on the earth in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They worshiped Jesus and prayed to him. They believed and confessed that what had happened on Pentecost was the very outpouring of God himself through his spirit into our hearts, that the very essence of God lives inside of us and gives us new life. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. 
But there are not three gods, but one. This is why the Apostle John can write in the New Testament that God is love. Because the love shared between the Father, Son, and Spirit has existed since before the foundations of the world, extending back into eternity. And this love that exists within God is what leads to the creation of all things. The creation story is an outpouring of the creative love of God. All the diversity and complexity of the creation is a manifestation, an outpouring of his love. Light and darkness, sea and sky, water and earth, the heavenly bodies, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, the creatures of the deep, trees and plants, the wild animals and the beasts of the field, and the creepy things that move along the ground, all created out of God's love. And to crown his creation, God forms humankind, male and female, to bear his image, to care for his creation, to rule over it, to maintain it. So God created humankind in his own image, in his own likeness, to rule over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, the beasts and the wild animals, and over all living things that move along the ground. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? It means that we are created for relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with one another, and relationship with the world he has made. The creative love of the triune God, which formed and shaped all things, has formed and shaped us to participate in that creative love. We were created for relationship. Scripture tells us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, growing their relationship with the God who created them. Adam and Eve loved one another, fostering their relationship with each other, and Adam and Eve tended the earth, fostering their relationship with the creation that God had placed under their care. But in the fall, this image is compromised. Adam and Eve rebel against God and are expelled from the garden of paradise. Cain murders Abel. His descendants exploit the earth, building cities and developing tools to amass power and control. The people God had created turn away from God toward wickedness and sin. But in Christ, this image is restored. In Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul shares with us this beautiful hymn about the second person of the Trinity. The Apostle writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And what this hymn tells us in its beautiful poetry is that Christ is both the creator and the recreator. He is the author both of the creation in the beginning and the new creation in the redeemed people that God has called to himself. In Christ, we are made in God's image, and in Christ, our relationship is restored as he remakes our sinful selves into the image of God. He takes away our sin and gives us his spirit. He takes away our wickedness and gives us his righteousness. He takes away our rebellion and gives us his obedience. And we are invited once again to participate in the creative love of the triune God. Worshiping the Father in the name of the Son through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. God restores his image in us by giving us his spirit who is constantly at work within us to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Christian writer J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings, wrote very eloquently about the idea that we are sub-creators with God. The love of God in the Trinity is manifested in the creation of all things. And we are invited by the Spirit of Christ into that very same eternal creative love. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God in Christ. We are established as kings and queens over creation. And we are invited to participate with Christ in the work of the new creation. Restoring relationships, healing wounds, pursuing innovation and creative research, inspiring imaginations. In our worship, in our lives, in our work, we live out of this image that God has gifted us in his Son, continuing the work of new creation with the God who created all things. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, O oh Lord our God, we thank you that in every part of Scripture, you point us to the truth of who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we confess that this is often a mystery to us. But we thank you that you are a God of love and that by your spirit through the sacrifice of your son you invite us to participate in that love and to live out of that love. And so, O oh Lord, we pray that in everything we say, everything we do, everything we are, we may live out of the creative love that you have poured into our hearts. 
showing that love to the world, healing brokenness, restoring relationships, creating with our creator God. Help us to see the ways in which you work through us bring us closer to this new creation that you have already begun and will complete when Christ comes again. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, who reigns together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen.